Hey, Dennis. Hey, fellow tennis nerds. In today's uh, podcast, there's no uh, ATP or WTA action, as you know, but we are going to get into uh, some off-season stuff that's happening in Mubadala. We had the Diria Cup. And then after that, we're going to get into uh, new brands, new brands on the tennis scene, both for rackets and for apparel and shoes and so on, bags. How are you, Dennis? Uh, hi, Jonas, um, and hi, everyone listening. Uh, good. It's so cold in the UK. I know that we we said it last week that we're not going to talk about uh, the weather, but I have to say that this has been absolutely ridiculous. Whole week has been minus 10, minus 8, um, and it's just unbearable. Obviously, this this uh, place, you know, I, I live fairly, so I, I live in the southwest, and and this one isn't really prepared for this weather. Uh, n- not really anyone, like Scotland is, but it's, it has been just silly. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one what we brought this, um, this podcast because we wanted to talk about, and before we actually get into the brands, um, we, will, we will talk about what's happening in, in um, like testing, and we've seen Hachanov, which was on, on one, of your, one of your stories, and on the Instagram, and uh, obviously there's, there's quite a few guys who are playing in the Middle East at the moment. Uh, it's quite funny because it's it's good for the off season to to actually do play competitive matches, but in the meantime, it is still an exhibition. So uh, there's not a lot of um, not a lot of uh, competitiveness behind it, but there's a lot of money involved, though. Yeah, and it, I I wonder just from like a sponsorship point of view, do you get your money back? I mean, I guess in in these um, Middle Eastern countries, they have so much money they can do whatever with it, but. Uh... But it seems like will will people watch exhibitions? Because I know I'm not watching that on stream, for example. Yeah, I mean it's an interesting one. And and what my friends who were watching the Diria Cup were saying that uh, there's there's no one in the crowd, and and even with that in mind, like I mean, in a way, I do understand that they they want to make tennis popular in the middle east and they have so much money that they don't care about like tens of 20s of 50s or 100 million dollars but for example taylor fritz who won the diria cup got a million dollars for winning it and no one cares about it it's so funny and we were talking about it before we started recording that for example cam nori is there who's obviously not a great spectacle to watch for a non-tennis nerd like we don't mind watching Cam Nori because he he has a pretty interesting style and he's a lefty, but his serve is one of the weirdest motions. Um, and you know he's uh, look, I, we all we already talked about it that he's definitely an overachiever, and what he did is is absolutely brilliant. So it, it's great to uh, to to have him, and now he's milking all these uh, Middle Eastern uh, tournaments and and uh, you know this this Mubadala Cup, which is on on this week. Is actually a pretty interesting one because because uh, uh, there was this uh, great match uh, yesterday between Anjabor and um, Amaraducanu, which is a really high quality tennis match, and Anjabor won in the end. But there's Rublev, there's um, uh, Tsitsipas, uh, there's Chorich, um, and um, and Alcaraz, Rude. And Nori, so it's it's a pretty strong lineup, but it's it's a bit of a hmm, how I should how I would put it, it's a bit random, isn't it? Yeah, it feels very random, and it feels like, I mean, obviously they want to bring more tennis to the Middle East, which I think is great. I mean, I know Puddle, as we've talked about before, and you're getting into that as well, is one of the fastest growing sports in the Middle East. Uh, so it's good that they're getting into racket sports because I don't think they have a, a strong history of that. So that's great. I think this is a way to grow tennis a bit, but I don't know like how many people actually watch. But I think it's more for the local audience than actually getting any kind of streaming going from for people because I'm I'm not gonna watch even if the most exciting players are playing because there's no stakes. As you said, like they they have huge prize money, which I also think is a little bit weird that you you get more prize money if you look at Taylor Fritz for winning this uh, completely pointless tennis tournament in the Middle East than if he wins like an ATP 500, you know? So it's, it's, it just sends the weird signals, I, I think, uh, it, that it becomes this kind of spectacle and not a sport anymore. It definitely doesn't help the sport uh, in, in 
in the perspective that what we talked about many times. But you know, we can, we can see it with the with the football World Cup as well, can we? Uh, that like you know, the Middle East have so much money that they can literally buy the best players. They can be on their backyard and 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 just just uh, provide a spectacle if someone is bored. And that's how I feel about it. Like. I wouldn't mind watching Alcaraz against that say Tsitsipas because that would be a good match for one. And the other thing is that Tsitsipas is now sorry, um, uh, Alcaraz is now rocking the new vapors. So I'm I'm pretty pretty interested in in if he will actually be playing in in the new vapors, or is he uh, is he gonna be still playing in the the vapor pros? But that's kind of a tennis nerdy thing to to watch on a tennis court. On, on who who wears what shoes and 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 all this, but I think you know it, it is. I mean, it is not good for tennis per se in terms of like uh, getting uh, like you know comparing the five ATP five hundreds to 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 like these these exhibitions which don't mean anything. And and uh, what I just also said to you next week is going to be the so-called world tennis league which will be like a team championship which is a good idea but again it's an exhibition so there's not a lot at stakes no i and i think that's uh, yeah it's strange with these exhibitions i think it's great for the players if i was a player i would happily take a big uh, chunk of money to go and practice because that's basically what they get to get really good match practice and obviously there will be some people watching and if they have the money to spend there's really no harm done but it creates, yeah, this this strange feeling that it's just like they're playing, but nobody cares. But they're still getting a, little, a little, huge pay paycheck for it. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's a strange thing. Uh, talking about you know popularizing tennis because I think that was the the idea behind these tournaments, especially in the Middle East and the World League. I, I don't know anything about. And to be honest, like I my interest in these tournaments are uh, close to zero. I would say. Uh, the the thing that you can watch is if you're a you know gear nerd like, such as myself and you, uh, you can watch like the shoes. You, know, you mentioned Alcaraz. You can see if someone is training using a new racket, like Hachano was trying the the Onyx. Uh, not sure if he's gonna make a switch or from his Wilson or or not, but that's interesting. And we had Rafa Nadal practicing in uh, Manacor with his um, new cosmetic of the Pure Era Rafa. So that will be released next year. Uh, so there are some kind of observations you can make. But the, the thing I wanted to get into is this new uh, Netflix show, uh, The um, Breakpoint, it's called. It's going to be produced, and it, it's uh, produced by the same team as the Netflix Drive to Survive. So our biggest hope for this show is obviously that it's going to make uh, the same kind of, of result that Drive to Survive did for Formula One. Uh, for tennis uh, but uh, i don't know what do you think about this um, breakpoint show yeah i um everyone is i mean i'm obviously excited about it um for you and me i'm pretty sure there's not going to be a lot of news there so i have to say that we are so far into into understanding the the players minds about what they're going through each match, uh, what happens in the locker room. We can assume, obviously we are not there, but we can have good assumptions on, on what is happening. So, so it will be great. Obviously both of us will watch it and, and, and we, will, we will go through it. And we know like the team of Tsitsipas, we know the team of Kyrgios, we know the team of Berrettini um, and so forth and so on. It was, it was between you and, um, and the... Um, the Swiss guy who you interviewed in, in your last podcast. Now, Fabrice, and it was yeah. actually, yeah, Fabrice. And it was a really, really good point. He, he, he said that I, he thinks that the, the real story would be the challenger level because that would be literally make or break. Because look, these guys from, from one five-star hotel to another five-star hotel, if they lose first round, yeah, well, it is what it is. They go to the next uh, place they, they're going to practice, they're going to live the life, they're going to enjoy their time and all this. And it's quite hard to get a story out of it. So I, I am, as I say, as, as, a, as, a, as a true tennis fan and a tennis nerd, I will be watching. Um, but it didn't really get my blood pumping. It was, it was quite of a weird one because I didn't, didn't actually think... Um, I, I knew about it's 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 being made and it's being made for golf as well. So so it's 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 a good idea, 
and and hopefully a lot more people will have the same effect as as what Fabrice said as well with Formula One. Like I didn't watch uh, Drive to Survive, but a lot of my friends have, and they absolutely love the show. And now they're playing uh, Formula One fantasy and and this and that. It will be an interesting concept, and I and I do kind of like the concept, but. Um, but it would be a lot better storyline for the uh, hundred and two hundred players, and that's why it's funny because you you mentioned uh, Jean Borpiroche um, in your stories as well, which which I just sent sent to you, and and that would be quite an interesting one because we all know about these guys, right? We all know about you know uh, Djokovic, we all know about uh, Berrettini, we all know about all these guys. But to, um, so I, I don't really know where the story will be, but I'm sure it will be an interesting one. And obviously, Curious will, will, um, will bring the bling, bring the flair and bring the bling. So, Pro- probably, yeah. If we look at the guys <laughs> who are, are there, um, Ojer Aliasim, Paula Badosa, Berettini, Taylor Fritz, Onstrebor, Kokinakis, Kyrgios, Rude, Sabalenka, Sakari, Stevens, Shviontek, Tiafo, Tomjanovic, and Sitsipas. So, this is probably filmed, I guess, at the Australian swing. Um, the the production time was not that long, I would assume. It feels like they um, they I don't think they followed them throughout the season. That that would have been a, a bit much. But maybe maybe for a few tournaments, maybe for a swing. And I guess the the whole thing is to get as close to possible what's happening behind the scenes. You know, it's not gonna be like a Oh, here they go to the gym. You know, it has to be more than that because the drive to survive is very much pumping the drama. But then you have these teams that are fighting against each other in Formula One and it's super high intense and they run like companies and money and everything is so important. Uh, you will obviously, uh, you want some some spice. So we'll see if they can manufacture some spice or, you know, if like you said, the Curios, he is usually quite good at stirring up headlines. So uh, he's like the Kanye West of tennis. So I think um... <laughs> that's just brilliant. <laughs> hope he's not bipolar. I really do hope he's not. No, no. But who knows? No, but at least like it's good with the with the headline whipping. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm very curious about it uh, from a production point of view, but from how they they can create tennis. But I do agree with what Fabrice said and Fabrice said, and what you were saying now is that. The real uh, story where it's kind of like heartbreak and a lot of probably pain involved and, and like tough decisions, whether they should go for it or not, is on the lower level, whether it's like, you know, qualifying to challengers and that this stuff, like when it's when it's really not sure if you're going to make it or not. That's where like there's a big storyline to to be made. I think there was a, a French documentary like 10 years ago or something where they, they actually went into that. And that was really well done and, and very interesting because you got to see the less glamorous side of, of tennis and how much like heart and uh, time and effort they put into their career. And then obviously there's more people that don't make it than, than make it like these guys in the Breakpoint series. Yeah, and, and, and the other thing, um, two thoughts about it. One is those guys need the money because obviously, you know, all these all these guys who in, who are included in this documentary must be getting a fortune for being involved in Netflix series. So they those guys between the 100, 200, 300, 400s would need the money to be involved in a production like this for one. And the other thing is that it would be you know, a lot more interesting and and it, and it would actually make um I think it would make a world of good to have unknown, relatively unknown names who who could um, be included in this. So I I would a lot if I would be if I would be you know having this this series season two would be for the lower level ranked players. I would definitely go for that, and I think it would be such a great spectacle because. You know, people would still watch it because they don't necessarily watch Drive to Survive because of I don't know Verstappen or or I don't know Leclerc. They they watch it because it's a great story and it's and it's and it's intense and and there's a lot going on. Yeah, and, I agree. And 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 I think with with this in mind, they haven't even chosen the most. Mm, 
I would say, most interesting characters. Because, like, you know, we, we love Rude, we love Felix uh, because of their tennis. But they're, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, like, Tiafo is the great, the, Tiafo and Kyrgios are obviously great choices. They're good fun. Like, Tiafo is, is a really nice story. And, and, you know, when he peaked at the U.S., like, it was such a great story, wasn't it? That, you know, he's, he's a son son of the um of the janitor of a of a of a tennis court and 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 all this so it, it has been a great story so that's what people want these these kind of stories like the the rise of ben shelton for example if 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 that would have been there that he was like you know playing college tennis then he he decided yeah he's he, he's gonna go pro and then he won four challengers in a row wow that's a story but you know that Berrettini lost um, and then he got injured and he was trying to come back. Hmm. I don't know. I don't think it, it, there's a lot, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be proved wrong. Yeah, me too. I would be great if it's a good ve vehicle for tennis, but I agree that some of the choices of characters, uh, seems maybe not perfect, but, but we'll see. I, I guess Sitsipas will bring some interesting quotes and, and, uh, <laughs> stuff like that. So that's usually he does on, on Twitter. I also think like if you would take the, um, the lower ranks of the tour, where whether it's, I think the name break point of a series would be very interesting if it's about making or breaking it. I mean, these guys, they already made it. I mean, not, none of them are going to be a goat. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, but they are going to live very comfortably, you know, generally their whole life because money they have. It's more a question like, can they maximize, maybe even win a slam uh, or will they just be picking up some ATP titles now that's pretty much the the storyline but break point i think the interesting part would be like hey where where is the line uh, where you actually feel like you can make it or not and then also that the these guys that are on the lower level will actually maybe get some salary to be a part and get you know get some money to actually fund their career so i think this part which Fabrice talked about and you mentioned as well is is uh, much more interesting in that sense it feels like a little bit more like you're giving back to tennis, you having these players uh, invite you into their life and then they also get some compensation and they can focus more on their career. So I think that could be, be cool. Uh, and, and the name would make sense. Oh yeah. And, and, and I, and I a hundred percent agree. And as I say, they would need a lot more support than the already top players. So that is, that is, that is an interesting one. And, and, you know, they, they have to sell the show. But I think a mixture of both, like let's say, choose Tiafo, uh, choose uh, choose um, you know, Kyrgios, choose Kokinakis, because he he's a good he's a good story. Although he was always a good junior, and and you know he he started off pretty strongly when when he got on the tour, then he got injured. But his his journey is a good one. But if you if you would have done a mixture of like you know the the three four hundred uh, ATP players who are like literally traveling around not far distances because they cannot they cannot afford it and then then they try to get in the qualifying plus Kyrgios uh, as a glamorous sort of uh, you know fighter I I think that would have made a lot more sense but you know I still hope that it will be a good show yeah. Yeah, well, we'll uh, hope for that. And the uh, 13th of January it will be the premiere. So I will be watching. And I think that's an interesting uh, thing to break down in that week's uh, podcast, because then we can discuss what we saw and how we felt about it. But let's move into, into brands, because uh, it's, it's an interesting topic that you raised a while back. And uh, there's been a lot going on. Like, I mean, we, we know that it's easier to start a brand these days and actually create products and, and challenge bigger brands. But obviously in tennis, when it comes to rackets, you need the sponsorships. We've talked about that before, where how tough it is to make a dent in the market if you don't have like a top 50 player or top 10 player or, or anyone that actually shows your product in the highlights of streams and, and on you know Grand Slams and so on. But there are still brands that are trying and you can still make money, I guess, and, and start a successful a successful journey uh, in rackets or in clothes or in um, shoes or bags. And I've done some bag reviews recently. I did the, the bags for Go Sport. 
Kansha bag is a big thing from the UK. A uh, young guy who's doing that, trying to a different modular approach to bags. So there's a lot of happening in the bag space. A and racket brands you might have seen on my YouTube channel as well, the Fury Arma Pro, which I was really impressed by. And now I have some bolt rackets from the US, which some interesting a kind of spring-like system on the sides of the racket to create more power and comfort. So I'm testing those as well. So there seems to be a lot happening in this space. Are there any specific brands that you have your eyes on and that you feel are, are more exciting than the others? Yeah, it was it was an interesting one because um, I um, uh, that that was my my dissertation in in uni, and um, I mean that's that's how we we started chatting as well in the first place. But but my uh, my main focus was like sort of up and coming brands. Um, and um, I, I had a, a good chat with Jack Oswald, uh, chat with Jack Oswald, who's, uh, who's the founder of, of Kancho Bags and, and, and I know Go as well, which I, I'd never really thought of, of how to pronounce, but then I'll just stay with, with what you said. Um, and, and there's, there's, I mean, the whole idea of, of how I, how I, became obsessed with these up and coming brands um was was castor or castore um because they their rice is meteoric it's absolutely ridiculous i mean they they have a really really big uh financial um backing uh, by by a few few investors but they are they are everywhere so so quite a few guys asked me uh, when they're watching the Premier League, like, what, what's 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 this brand on on the Aston Villa guys, and what's this brand on the uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers guys, and what's this brand on Newcastle United guys, and that is all Castor, and um, and it's a and it's an interesting one because obviously they came on the tennis scene with uh, with Andy Murray, and um, and they have been and they they gave. Um, the collection to Andy, so so he is now sort of uh, helping with with uh, with the things, and and I like it. I think it's it's good quality. Um, they are putting a lot of effort into becoming one of the biggest brands in the world. So they have really really big ambitions. And if you look at it, their their sponsorship is not really behind. So so all the British players are. I'm I'm pretty sure that like Nori will be approached by them, and maybe uh, Evans and 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 all these guys because at the moment they are mostly focusing on the UK base. But I think what they did was absolutely brilliant with the sponsorship and and getting Andy Murray and 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 he is uh, he is part owner of the whole thing. So he. He really has to care in a way because he wants to make money out of it. But but it is um, you know he's a, he's a, he's a brilliant brilliant ambassador, and I think he's uh, he's as good in the UK as as Federer would be for like Uniqlo. So it was a good idea, and they are making a brilliant job, and and um, that's how my obsession with uh, with with the brands came because I was like, what is this brand, and and how is that like make it happen? And when I was working in um, in Wigmore Sports, another brand is Play Brave, who's actually um, Jamie Murray uh, is endorsing Play Brave, and that is a really really high quality. So when it started in 2010 was the first year they they started to bring out clothing, and that's when um, it was. Um, so it is a British brand as well, but it it was handmade in Portugal. So it was in the EU and really high quality lead, um, uh, garment. And, um, and they have been uh, mostly making just, uh, just clothing in white and black, just to, just to show that they're actually, you know, this all white sport in, in, um, in Wimbledon and, and all this and that. And they became the best selling apparel brand in, in Wigmore Sport. So, they have been doing something brilliantly. I mean, we we've been we've been marketing it quite a lot. So when people were coming in, they were the highest uh, price range as well. So like you know, a a shirt was um, 70, 80 quid in twenty eleven. So that would be I don't know one hundred and fifty now. So um, so it is it is absolutely mental. They rise as well, and now they can sponsor uh, Jamie Murray. So yeah, 
he is a doubles player, so don't get me wrong. It's but in 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 the UK, Jamie and Andy Murray are both like icons. So these are the two brands which which became pretty well known, and they started uh, sponsoring the two different uh, Murray brothers at the same time. So it's quite an, an interesting theme what was going on. But there's quite a few in the states as well. What we what we spoke about, and uh, and I and I just love these these smaller brands. You said the the um, Armor Pro. Um, and, and you said this bolt racket, there's, uh, there's quite a few others, but I'll give the, the word back to you. One of the brands that are growing in the US, I mean, they also do pickleball now, which you probably need to do, <laughs> is uh, Diadem. They, they seem to have broken through a little bit. I mean, they're not like on any kind of Technifiber level or, or within that kind of striking range, but for a, a new brand, uh, they seem to be creating nice products. I've tried their rackets, reviewed them on the channel. And, um, you know, these are all made in China. There's no one who's trying to make a racket in, in uh, Europe, except I would say the Fabrizi brand. So there have been two Italian brands, actually three that I, I think of, that are kind of looking to be very much handmade or at least, you know, pro stock feely in the way the quality is is uh, concerned. And, and Fabrizi, I haven't tried their rackets. I just heard great things that they play amazingly well but they're very expensive they're around like 300 euros probably more maybe close to 400 for a racket so but then you get really superior quality i guess uh, but i remember some years back when i started doing more reviews um, i got in touch with this brand called one strings which was also which is a weird name but it was also italian brand based in um, close to milan somewhere and their, their brands are trying. There's also Sus. I think they, for also Italian, I think they are discontinued, but I'm not sure. Are they? Because I, I, I was just told about Zeus, and, and that's what I uh, that's what I was waiting for you to, to say their name. Because I've I've heard about them that they make absolutely brilliant records, but no one outside the um, like no one outside Italy can get their records, and it's and it's interesting. Like if if Italy had, I, I mean. You know they they do have metal, but it's it's kind of interesting on how how Italian brands are like up and coming in that perspective. Like what is happening there? Yeah, it's um. I mean, tennis in Italy has become like a huge thing. I mean, I, I guess it's been always of interest, but in general, like we talked in the previous podcast of how many players they had in the next gen. Uh, they have so many tournaments. They have the next gen finals and the ATP finals now. So both of these tournaments, uh, they they seem to just be like super much into tennis, and also politically they are, you know, the top positions in the the ATP are Italians. So uh, it seems like Italian tennis is is growing like crazy, and uh, similar to paddle in Italy, uh, which is good. So they are also obviously having uh, some brands that are trying to make products. I wish I could uh, test either Sus or Fabrizi. I've just heard good things. I, I don't know. Fury, I liked. Uh, usually, I'm a, a bit skeptical towards new brands because you can go to like Alibaba and get like a non uh, non brand mold and yeah. and then just like put your logo on it and some some cosmetic and hope for the best, you know, with some marketing. And uh, I don't like that approach. I like when they try to bring something a little bit new, but it is very tough to to come up with something new. And if I, for example, discuss tennis rackets with some people, they will say, why, why reinvent the wheel? Like there, you can't do much with the rackets while there are um, obviously, you know, new innovations tried with, in terms of this, like, for example, these bolt rackets, which have this spring technology uh, that kind of creates a, a trampoline, but not too bad, I would say from my first impressions. So I'm going to keep testing them and uh, similar to a clash frame for example, but it is tough to innovate. So these brands need to partly have a very good quality control. I think that's one thing that they can um, challenge bigger brands in a way. It's that say, hey, you know, all our rackets are at least hand selected. You know, we actually check our specs before we send them out, blah, 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 uh, similar to what Angel is doing. And then they can actually offer something a bit more boutique. But because if they're trying to be a big brand from scratch, I think it's tough, you know, because then why would you you know, pay the same amount and get similar product from a smaller brand than a, than a brand that you see on TV all the time. So I think there has to be something and, and some kind of extra value. Why are you paying a smaller brand or through their website and so on? Uh, but uh, Absolutely. 
And 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 the other thing is that you know we we wanted to mention uh, the Australian uh, guys as well, High Sill and and Penex Pro, uh, lovely lovely chaps and and really knowledgeable about about strings and rackets and everything. But as you say, to to start from scratch is just such an unbearably like apparel. Yes, you can because tennis racket is is a really technical thing. How will you compete with a head, a Wilson, a, a Yonex, or a Babolat? Because that's the four biggest brands. It can be the Angel or or the or the um, what what um, Dacor also did was that you can you can set up your racket. Obviously, Dacor was mostly playing around with the cosmetics rather than anything else uh, because they had one frame, the ninety seven, which was a good frame, as you said. But there's not a lot of leeway there, so they they weren't had like having uh, as many molds as as like Angel does because Angel is a really good idea. You can set up your own racket, which you you will know which will play well because it is a really high quality, um, amazingly um, developed, and uh, and you know Angel himself was was the the lead engineer of of the Dunlop tennis rackets, which were at the time were the best. So so you will get a like a hundred percent you will get a, a genuine good product but when you see all these different brands and and i know uh i mean i i i'm, I'm quite interested in, in what you will say about the bolt and i can say i i can tell to our listeners that we we haven't talked about it so i'm not getting any sort of insider info from from you and us so it is an interesting frame and and uh, an interesting concept and that's why I said it to you last time as well. And I don't want to go back to rackets because that was last podcast. We, we went on and on. But that's what I love in, in prints, that they are trying to come up with something. And it might click with, when it clicked with the, with the old ports. So it did definitely click because it gave a, a totally different setup for, for a lot of rackets. Yeah, no one could actually take it over. But if you look at it, the old ports are still working. So that was a great innovation, which, which actually made, made a huge difference. And Angel is uh, trying to do that with their technology, what we spoke about last time as well. So if you come up with something, yeah, it is, it is amazing. But why would anyone buy, um, you know, a, like a Zeus racket uh, when it's just graphite and maybe Toron, right? Yeah, I don't know exactly the layup there, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's, I mean, there's always this um, thing with, with smaller brands that people want to be different, right? So I think there's always this thing that, you know, if I come to the court with a um, racket that nobody has seen, maybe looks like it's blacked out, it looks a bit pro, I think you might get some some interesting comments and you you look like you're more of a pro maybe than than you actually are when you're playing. Uh, so there's always that, like people want to have the coolest sneakers or they want to buy like these quite niche products but obviously selling them in mass like selling a lot of it will be very difficult because partly you can probably not keep up in the beginning with the production demands if that would happen but it's also how do you get there like you need very strong budgets and marketing to actually build a brand to make it into a powerhouse in, in a sport it's so difficult i mean we saw it with Castor. You mentioned it, like they they got you know Mare, you know co-invested in that company, so they have a strong driver. He's gonna wear it. Everybody loves Andy Mare pretty much, especially in the UK. And you have then a strong foundation, and they have so much capital. And then they went all in for a number of years. They just went and spent so much money on marketing in terms of sponsoring teams and so on. And they that seemed to work. So it would be interesting if that could happen in tennis. If someone said. Hey, we have uh, loads of money now. We have got some investor capital, and now we're gonna sponsor like two top twenty players or three top twenty players. Just go all in, like like one, two yeah. on the WTA, two on the ATP. What would happen? How long would it take? And and could they make a dent in the market with that strategy? Because if you look at, for example, Technifiber, I, I would be very curious to see how much. It has helped them to have Medvedev and Shriontek and Joe Salisbury. Uh, these guys they had for a while. They had like also the wheelchair, I think, number one, if I'm not mistaken. Or that they have four, or was it squash? I don't remember. But they had like four. It, 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 it was definitely squash as well, but it was the women's doubles as well. So it was uh, women's all, doubles, yeah, all exactly. four. All four were Technifiber users, yeah. And, and I would love to see, I don't know how that's possible to do, but through some kind of brand research and 
and some service and stuff, but it would be very interesting to see how much that has affected their sales and uh, growth. Uh, and if that's going to, you know, make a, some kind of inroad into being a, a key brand in the future. I think definitely that they have gained a lot from it. And I think like making sure, you know, got getting Medvedev from Wilson was a, you know, fantastic move. Uh, obviously, because that that was that was the right approach. I mean, he's going to play with Technofiber for their foreseeable future. Taking Iga when she was we, we just won her first slam, that's very impressive. So they they seem to be the one that is trying. I mean, they're not a you know, small brand, but they were relatively small some years back, you know, and not not struggling a little bit. And now they seem to be doing really well. That's my my just. Oh feeling yeah absolutely and 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 what, what i wanted to say it definitely helped that um lacoste bought them so you know it, it, it sort of made it a concentrated uh french effort and um and you know to have players like who who play in the whole of their gear and they even came up with this brilliant uh lt21 um lacoste shoes which I am, I am, um, so I do play in those. Uh, and, and uh, like, because Medvedev was playing in, in the Vapors, uh, the Vapor X's. And then, then he developed this, this sort of um, Vapor-like barricade shoes in a way. So they're really firm and, and good, good shoes. And, and that helped uh, Technifiber a lot, immensely. Uh, that he's um, he's he's playing in full Lacoste with a Technifiber racket, and they even made, it came up with the new logo. So from the triangle, they came up with this TF, and I really like it. I think it's a lot more visible. It's a lot better on on the racket. So I think they they made headwaves, and and that was I mean you know look in in squash they were always one if not the biggest brand. But but they they came up with these with these ideas of of how to sponsor people and that's why it would be quite interesting. I mean, we just talked about it that if a brand came out of nowhere and sort of starting to um, like you know support players and and sponsor players in in the top ten top twenty, it has to come from the Middle East, doesn't it? <laughs> Where money is not an object, and if and if they put down um, you know a, a ten year plan. For these guys that look, you're going to get, I don't know, $3 million a year for the next five years. If you sign with us, I don't think anyone would turn it down because they don't really care in what they play. In. Like as, as soon as it's functional and as soon as, as the shoes are, are like as good as, as for example, the Lacoste shoes are. Uh, that's not the first time when Lacoste came out with shoes. So that's that's also an interesting one because they, they like... Um, uh, I remember uh, Lodra was was playing in some in some Lacoste shoes, and there was uh, this uh, this amazing uh, pair of shoes which came out in 2009 or 2010, and and there was just one um, one model, but that was that was a brilliant brilliant one, and uh, and I'm so sad that I that I couldn't afford it back then, because it, it has been a historic shoe, and and that was that was going on for like five six years. They were making that that type of shoes uh in different colors uh so there was uh, a bit of a background of lacoste coming up with shoes because it's such a technical thing if you look at for example um uh, asics they they came out uh 10 years ago 12 years ago because the first first uh like j resolutions and all that came actually about like 2010 2009 as well so that's when that's when the shoe market had like a big boom and uh, and now they're they're one, if not the best selling shoes in many, many countries. So so because they had the jail technology, they could actually come up with with something of a supportive shoe and that sort of thing. And that's that's what everyone else is trying to do. And that's that's why it's it's an interesting market as well. The apparel and shoes and and uh, the racket itself. But the racket. I like what we see in the apparel is is a lot more visible than what we see with rackets because if you if you look at the rackets only technifiber could get in in uh, and even yonex was was a bit struggling for like i don't know like 10 years ago when when actually they could sign vavrenka uh they had good players they always had good players but mostly female players so like you know hingis and monica Seles and and kurnikova and and all those uh ladies 
but like men's game, yeah, there were quite a few like Leighton Hewitt and, and Marcelo Rios and all those guys. So they had world number ones, but they weren't that memorable as like a Federer or or like an Adal or a Djokovic. So it is an interesting one that actually the three goats do play with different records. That's 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 an interesting one in itself. That I mean, what would be the odds to have like to like what it was uh, in many ways that Wilson was was uh, was rocking, you know, like the Williams sisters and and Sampras on the other side, and 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 there were quite a few players who were who were um, sponsored by these guys, but it just happened to be that the three goats all play with different frames and those three frames are the biggest brands in tennis and they were also the best selling rackets i was i was thinking about that the other day and i yeah i mean i know that the head speed is is head's best seller uh djokovic is, is playing or endorsing that because he's playing with something else but and then we have rafa i'm sure that the pure arrow has not sure, but I, I would guess that I think the Pure Arrow is, is selling more than the Pure Drive, even although that was the most popular one back some years back. And in um, and in Federer's case, the Pro Staff, although it's probably the most demanding racket in the lineup of, of Wilson, is the best seller. I mean, you see everyone rocking a Pro Staff, so the, you see like if you can get an icon, a legend. And you would see the same in like basketball shoes or whatever. Like, I mean, how Jordans took over the whole, like even streetwear scene, right? So if you can put your money into a person that transcends, not only wins titles, but kind of transcends and becomes like this, this icon in sports, then it's a moneymaker for sure. And, and you see a guy like Medvedev, he's not going to be a, a sporting icon. I mean, even if he wins maybe three slams, I don't see him like rocking that needle. You need someone... Like an Andrew Agassi, you know, he 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 had like the defined clothing and and did something bigger than that. I think we've seen the same with Fed and Rafa, uh, as well. I, I don't think, for example, like Novak sells a lot of apparel, uh, the way that Rafa and Roger does, you know. Oh, definitely not. And the other thing is, uh, yeah, I mean, he he does in certain parts of the world, but these guys are all larger than life, aren't they? So. So you know, we, with like Medvedev, he's such a laid-back character, and and Novak isn't. Novak is definitely a flamboyant character in many ways, and and you know, with his, with, it doesn't matter how, but he he is he is a well-known character all over the world. Is it because of scandals? Yeah, maybe. Is it because he is he's a bit different than the other two who are so so gentle, so nice, so well-spoken? Uh, Novak has a lot of. Um, yeah, a lot of interesting remarks, let's put it that way. But I, I think Lacoste sells quite a bit of uh, apparel because of Novak, but definitely not on the same scales as as what uh, Rafa Nikes do. And like Alcaraz now with Nike, definitely it's going to be a, a great seller. And and I don't really know when, when Nike will react and give Alcaraz his whole range because that's going to be selling because Alcaraz is a really exciting player to watch. We've all heard that Jordan transformed Nike into what it is today. It was just an up-and-coming brand when they actually signed Jordan. And they sort of went all in with, with his, with his uh, sponsorship. And, and that paid off <laughs> immensely, didn't it? And you can see that from junior and from grassroots onwards, they do tend to sponsor the, the best, the nicest, the, the, the best-looking the 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 biggest um, talents and all this and there's a reason for that so if if you, if you look at these guys they do know what they're doing and Adidas knows what they're doing and Adidas is making ways I by the way I cannot wait for the new lightweight Adidas shoes to come out which will be I'm pretty sure it will be like a new Uber Sonic it will be called something different uh, they are releasing it in January so I cannot wait for those shoes because I I for my my um, build and stature at that works the best and, and they're the most durable but that's that's just uh, uh, another thing but yeah so so these guys definitely know how to how to sign these guys and 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 Technifiber had had a really good patch with uh, Shiontech and Medvedev will it make them the the best of the best it won't um, I'm pretty certain it won't no, I, it's true. I mean, I, I think it's interesting with the with building a brand and you're also your aspirations as a brand. Like it needs to um, 
work with the player you sign. So, for example, if you um, Nike always had an interesting sponsor strategy, uh, which I you know read about in in some books about from their marketing directors. Um, don't remember the name of it, but it's it's they they always had a very clear goal with their marketing, and I think that that helped them sign some very very strong ambassadors and and also position them in the right place. And I think you also need that even more for a smaller brand because you you need to understand what is our path, what is our plan for the future, who do we want to associate ourselves with. For example, if you want to be like a super edgy clothing brand, like you could go and try to get Curios, for example, or, or someone similar to Curios in, in whatever sport you choose. But you need to know like what is our brand about and who do we want. For example, Rolex signing with Roger, you know, it's been a long partnership. It's just a perfect match uh, for for many many reasons. So I think that's that's the important part. I think it's going to be um, tougher in rackets, kind of to summarize, to come up and make a dent in the racket sphere is much more difficult than coming up with an apparel because, as you said the players are much more tied to the racket as well, much more difficult to convince them and probably costly than to say, hey, you're going to wear this uh, apparel brand now and you're going to get this much money. I, I don't think the players care that much what they wear, but they care a lot about what they swing. And even if they get more money, they, they sometimes struggle a lot to to change uh, to a new racket. And this is the time, the off-season, where they get a lot of rackets to test and to see if they can make some improvement more power more spin more control more anything they need and they they try strings and rackets if they're open to it and it's gonna take a lot for anyone to make a, a change like you you not only money because the racket is what makes or breaks your your game a little bit uh when you're on this level and not the clothes yeah and and it was quite interesting what you said about rolex and and uh and i I agree a hundred percent on what you said about the the brands and the sponsorship, but it's we we haven't actually touched that before, and it's it's quite an interesting one. The watches, because all the big tennis players do have watch sponsorships, and um, it's a weird one because because when when you when you see they finish the match, they they take down their their wristband, and and all of a sudden they they just put on the the watches what they what they are wearing, and for example. Um, I mean, Roger and Rolex was a match made in heaven, but you see like Tsitsipas is also um, uh, sponsored by Rolex. And I think now Akras is also sponsored by Rolex. Um, and, and it was always that. And for Rafa, it was always Richard Mill. And Richard Mill was, was um, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, the, it's, it's the top of the luxury chain. Like Richard Mill, you, you cannot really get a watch on, unless you have like 2,000, uh, sorry, 200,000 um, pounds in, in spare. So that's, and that's just even like, a, you know, just the, the basic watch of a Richard Mill. But it, that's why it's, it's quite interesting because for you, those two guys, it was always settled. And then you had Djokovic, who was who was sponsored by Psycho, which is great. It's it's Japanese, uh, you know, from from like an entry level, they go up to like Grand Psycho, which is like a really really high level, um, really uh, nicely done Japanese. It's like the uh, the Regna of of Yonex. That's the Grand Psycho for Psycho, um, and uh, in tennis terms. And now, now he also switched. So now he is with a different brand. So as as much as like Novak, uh, sorry, as as Rafa and Roger, like Rafa never changed any of his sponsors. So he always had Nike, he always had Bubble, and and Roger just uh, switched because he got offered so much money that he was like, oh, I'm 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 gonna take it. And he also had some disputes with Nike over his own brand. Um, so. It is interesting that Novak is uh, trying to get as much out of it as possible, and uh, and and yeah, now now he like you know he's he's always going around, and and now he's 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 uh, sponsored by Hublot, which is also a great brand, but it's not as prestigious as like Rolex, so. It's it's interesting that Novak always chooses something which is which is uh, just the highest bidder. I think the the reasoning behind that, and I know I have some background, is that uh, it's also 
part of, of what you have in your team, right? If you have a very consistent team or the level of your agent, like some agents, I mean, Tony Gotzik in the Federer case, they work together for a long time. I think Rafa's agents have been the same as well. I don't know his name. If you have a good agent, you will have good deals and they will give you good advice. And I think also Mirka in Federer's camp, like his wife, has been instrumental. I'm reading this um, Federer biography by Chris Clary, which is great. can really recommend it, called The Master. And you get a lot of behind the, the scenes, behind the Federer success of the team and and how it's constructed and, and and so on. So I think Novak's agent has not been the best. And that's also what I heard from people closer to, to Novak. I think it, it's a little bit of an issue. And I think also for the player to just stay with um, a brand and try to get like maybe a slightly better deal or or work something out. It, it's also more um, better for your personal brand if you're connected to one watch or one car brand and, and build with them instead of just switching around because you lose a little bit of credibility as well like if you if you always talk about a new brand like why would i trust you because you're just moving around between <laughs> the brands but if you see federal yeah. and rolex they're like you know they're like one one unit and, and even rafa's been with kia for a long time and he's, he's yeah you stuck around his sponsors i think it's much smarter in long term uh, than than changing it's such a such a hassle to change as well because you have to do a lot of new food photo shoots uh, you have to do the announcement uh, it's a lot of the contract deals and stuff you're obviously handled by agents but changing a sponsor obviously they want a lot more from you than if you have like a relationship yeah um and by the way i just checked then rough on the dolls uh, agent is carlos costa so that's oh, yeah, um, exactly okay yeah, yeah, that's, that makes sense yeah, yeah that's that's his name but yeah I, I agree and and you know what you see with Kia and Rafa that also works and Kia evolved massively under under Rafa as well so when when they started their their whole whole thing Kia was uh, you know a Korean uh, brand which 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 wasn't you know it, it it was a good like they always made good cars but they weren't the most most uh, uh, nicest to look at and all this and now whenever they they show a kia it likes that looks nice on the tv and that sort of thing and um funny enough uh Djokovic is with peugeot and and that's that's also i mean look it it, it pays the bills definitely for 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 all so you know it, but it was always federer who had the best sponsorships and when you when you look at his sponsorship list it's really really impressive not that Rafa's isn't like, for example, if I could choose, I would definitely go for Richard Mill. If if, if someone would give me uh, just a a cheap, not a cheap, but you, you know, a free uh, sample of of a of a watch, I would I would definitely go for Richard Mill because I can sell it for more. <laughs> but no. So jokes aside, sponsorship is is a vital thing for brands, and for for these new brands, you can only see from these up and coming brands we haven't talked about uomo and, and all those guys who are massive in the states and and we've got with dan evans we've got um what's their name i wanted to say quickly uh luke perry um and and you know there's there's quite a few nice nice brands which are thrown around and and it's a lot easier to 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 get an apparel um sponsorship going with these guys because uomo has uh brooksby for example they had the brian bros um and and there were quite a few of these guys who uh who, who try new new things and and they have quite nice clothing but what we can say you and i is that the without sponsorship it pretty much is a lost cause because tennis is so so hard to get in it's so hard to come up with new ideas and it's and it's a big lobby as well it's a massive business so you know it, it is really really tough to to get in uh to tennis and and we can always just say like good because if you look at like the old brands as well like lotto diadora all those guys they're still there they're still making good stuff but you don't really see them that often nowadays with with like you know lower ranked italian players you do see a lot of lotto uh, you did see the Adora with like uh, Jan Leonard Struff and and um, and Davidovich Fakina. So they are around, they are they are swirling around, but it is really tough. And if and if I would start a brand now, I would try to get an investor and convince them that look, I've got this great idea. 
But to be where I want to be and where we want to be, I need, I don't know, $5 million to pay Federer or to pay, Federer isn't the best best um, uh, example, but let's say to, to pay Tsitsipas or, or someone like that and, and tempt, them, tempt them away from Wilson and also from Adidas. So that would be, that would be my, my little thought about it. Yeah, I think that makes sense that you need the money. Uh, to, to to close that and, and, and the pod, I would say also, like uh, people have seen in, in my videos that I wear uh, the Nordic Dots brand uh, apparel. And one of my friends here in Marbella is a co-founder of that brand. So that's a partly a personal reason, but I wouldn't wear stuff that I don't like. So uh, the quality is very good. Uh, I can wash them millions of times and they, they, they stay in good shape and no smells, nothing. And they are also pretty good looking, I would say, like really classy looking. But what I wanted to say about that is that to sponsor players on lower levels, I mean, he's tried that and it seems like he's doing really well, but it's a lot through like online marketing, Instagram, and and focusing on kind of conversions more. So I think you can, you can see it different ways. I think you can make a success in in forms of in form of sales you're doing a more more targeted strategy but if you want to be a big brand like a store then you need to go all in i think there's no other there are no shortcuts i mean it's going to take things going to take too long so if you want to be big i think you have to maybe go with that route and, and get some some investors because i want to just give a contrast for that for that because i know that the nordic dots guys they don't have any big investors so and, they're trying to grassroots way and I'm and I'm quite happy that you mentioned it because I wanted to mention it myself as well because they they look stunning. I I think it's it's one of the, um, I mean I, I like <laughs> I like the Nordic thinking. I I know that you you moved away for a reason, which is partly the weather, wasn't it? But <laughs> a large part of it was the weather. But but I like I like the Nordic style in many ways, and I like like the whole idea of the Nordic dots. I like the logo, and I, and I think they they make really nice products. And it, when you said it, it's high quality as well, the apparel. So uh, and um, and I cannot wait to try one of their their uh, paddle rackets as well, paddle bats as well, because I think they they make really nice looking stuff. And uh, without a big sponsorship, there's only so much you can do. And and yeah, you can sort of linger around. You can you can sort of have quite a few guys. Like I haven't mentioned this other brand, which is making quite nice minimalistic uh, tennis bags called the Loan Society, which is also quite nice. And they're they're the, like you know getting into my because because of cookies and all this and whatnot. They are around in uh, with with uh, concentrated uh, ads and everything, but there's only so much you can do. So you know. For you and me, that's what we do. We live, eat, and breathe tennis. So for us, uh, that we get these advertising, it, it is it is what we search for. It is what we what we listen to. This is this is what we read about. So for us, it's not a big thing. But for for an average Joe to reach these friends, they do it through TV. They do it through watching Breakpoint uh, on on Netflix and. And and that's that's where where you need a castor, which actually comes back to me. Like what what are those guys are wearing? What is what is that like you know sort of weird flying sort of wingy wingy logo on them? What what is this brand? Is it some some kind of Chinese brand? I've got I, I was asked and I was like no, this is actually a really high quality, really good stuff, like a, a, a really well thought of brand. And that's what you said. There's no shortcut. So you either do this, you have a big investor behind you and, and, and you, you go all in, or you're going to make a good living out of it, but you're never going to make it that far as like Castor is already at. And as, as you know, you, you see, you see with, with like, I don't know, like Technifiber is actually quite a good, good uh, shout with the rackets because they were nowhere like 10 years ago there were a few guys who were who were playing with it but not a not a lot of players so it was actually a good bet from them but there's no shortcuts and <laughs> i loved it when when uh, uh fabrice um was saying that you just have to work hard to get where you are i think so i hope so i, I think that's pretty much it for today i have to get some lunch before i head to the court there's been a week of rain here closing with the weather 
uh, and but I guess it was like two and a half weeks of rain. But then this last week was was kind of zero time for tennis. I haven't played in a week, and now today I'm playing three hours, so I need to get get going. But it's gonna be fun because now it looks like the weather forecast for tennis in is Marbella it the is, is it the ITF Masters? So no, they canceled it. The so it, it rained so much oh. that they canceled the tournament. Okay, so just have fun hitting them. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna test some some rackets because I'm I'm behind on reviews. There's a lot of rackets coming in the beginning of the year, so that's yeah. that's the plan. And then and I am and I am playing three hours of pedal tomorrow as well. So uh, hopefully that will be fun as well. They will be good stuff. Okay, Dennis, take care now. Thank you. Cheers, Giannis. Thank you, everyone.